When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who look like an Elvis fan. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about our beloved film, 2002's Lilo and Stitch. Two worlds will collide, and paradise will never be the same. All of our dogs are adoptable. Except that one! <laughs> he got the will. And you must now bring him back. Okay. Okay. He's indescribable. Are you sure it's a dog? I think it might be a koala. An evil koala. <laughs> okay, Audrey, I trust that you're thriving. You trust wrong. <laughs> really? No, I mean I'm actually I'm I'm just here, but I feel like neither of us are having a great day. <laughs> no. Today's actually today's been going a lot better than I thought it would. Um, which is good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I would detail why here, but it wouldn't make sense. So, um, yeah, I have a cute outfit on today though. You guys can't fully see in the video version, but I'm wearing like this very big men's shirt as a dress. And similar to that tweet you had the other day, Audrey, it's very Mia's mom in Princess Diaries. Yeah. So is my outfit actually. You're right. They're cute. I was just noticing that. Yeah, so we're going to use Lilo and Stitch as a life raft. Yes. <laughs> and also the hot take of the week is fun. Yes. Very fun yes. to me. And it comes from Lady Anwar, at Lady Anwar. Wow, okay. The question of all questions. He said, she said. By Ashley Tisdale versus Sneaker Night. Yeah. By Vanessa Hudgens. It's a really good question. I knew both songs-ish, but I had never seen the video for He Said, She Said until moments ago. I think that Sneaker Night is the better song. (laughs) Yeah. I think that the videos (laughs) are pretty tied. Okay, here's the thing with Sneaker Night. It's a little weird for Vanessa's voice. Whereas yeah. I think that he said, she said 
fits easily into what Ashley Tisdale was doing um, vocally. Yes. I also think that they're both a really interesting, like, swat in the dark at, like, sexiness, but they don't actually say anything. I mean, I can see us touching like that. <laughs> like, like, I guess that he said, she said, well, there's that whole, like, sexual part when she's like, one night, like, I'm dreaming of one night with you or whatever. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that there was like really intense product placement there. But this video is literally uploaded to YouTube in like 240p. So you can't see <laughs> shit. I can't help but wonder, does Sneaker Night only exist because of the <laughs> partnership with yeah. Mark Echo? Like maybe, but does that really detract from the experience? <laughs> I mean, I guess not. I also wanted to say, I don't understand why in the video there needed to be that segment where she like made fun of a nerd for dancing. The lyrical content of Sneaker Night is hilarious. <laughs> it really is. Sneaker Night wins from that perspective. Like, when she was like have you eaten? Do you have the energy <laughs> to go out? Did you eat? Do you have the energy? She's concerned about her friend's and their well-being. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, at least she has that going for her. I'm going to have to give it to Sneaker Night because that is the song that I know to this day. Like, I had to go back to He Said, She Said and be like, let me remember what this uh -huh. is other than the chorus. Yeah. Because I kind of only knew the chorus. So for that reason, I have to give it to Sneaker Night. I do think I have to agree with you and vote Sneaker Night just because, like, it's Sneaker Night, bitch. Like, it is <laughs> like, sneaker night. Put your sneakers on. <laughs> put your sneakers on. And, like, it's such a weird song conceptually. Like, sneaker yeah. night. Why is it called sneaker <laughs> night? <laughs> there are really weird sound effects in the song, too. Yeah. Also, the part when it's like, basically, what we gotta do is dance and she's like saying dance in the background but she's yeah. like she's like dance that's how she says it yeah she <laughs> oh the giggle at the end i mean she lives for a little giggle that's what she does i appreciated that question honestly <laughs> it made me think and we're team sneaker night but ashley is fierce <sighs> ashley is she's giving me more of a britney music video uh -huh. experience But comedy and what stuck with me longer would be Sneaker Night. Okay, so moving from two Disney gals of the aughts into some more classic Disney material. Today, we are talking about Lilo and Stitch from 2002. And I'm just going to get into the facts here. This movie was released on June 21st, 2002, and was rated PG, which I found to be a little cancer bit... Cancer movie. Is a cancer <laughs> movie, 100%. And rated PG, so kind of like, ooh, like a little bit pushing it for an animated movie from Disney. Um, and it was written and directed by Dean... I'm going to call him Dean Dubois. But I don't know if that's right. We're going to call him Dean Dubois <laughs> and Chris Sanders. So with Dean, I'm just going to not say his last name. Um, he was a writer on How to Train Your Dragon, Disney Infinity Video Games, basically like 
all of the Stitch spinoff material, which there's a lot of Lilo and Stitch spinoff material. And he was also a co-head of story on Mulan. And then we have Chris Sanders, who basically, like he and Dean are creative partners, clearly. Um, But in addition to that, he was the screenwriter for Mulan. He worked in the story department for Lion King and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. And then he also wrote The Croods, which I did not see. And Lilo and Stitch was produced by Lisa M. Poole, who worked on The Lion King, Mulan, Over the Moon, Bolt, Aladdin, Mary Poppins Returns, and also Clark Spencer, who worked on Encanto, Zootopia, Wreck-It Ralph, Winnie the Pooh, the 2011 one. Uh, And his first producer credit was Lilo and Stitch. Also, you pronounced it wrong because it's Wreck-It Rolf, remember? (laughs) (laughs) How could I forget that it's Wreck-It Rolf? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Audrey, what's the synopsis? A young and parentless girl adopts a dog from the local (laughs) pound, completely unaware that it's supposedly a dangerous scientific experiment that's taken refuge on Earth and is now hiding from its creator and those who see it as a menace. What are these taglines? There's a bunch. Um, First one is, there's one in every family, meaning... I don't know, bad person. (laughs) Or like weirdo, like whatever. Yeah. Second one is his name is Stitch. Third one, meet Stitch. This summer, he's coming to our planet. And then the fourth one is he's coming to our galaxy. (laughs) I just kind of wanted to talk about, there was like this very strange to me marketing approach that Disney took with this movie that took like extreme advantage of pre-existing IP. Like there's this one poster for Lilo and Stitch where it's like Stitch sitting in the middle. It's like white background, Stitch sitting like on the ground. And he's kind of like surrounded by like disgusted looking classic Disney characters. And I was just kind of like, and I remember that sort of like deep deep in my memory that it was always portrayed as like he's like messing up Disney movies like I think there was a whole ad campaign where it was like classic scenes from Disney movies and Stitch like essentially photobombing them like for Mm -hmm. lack of a more original term I thought it was weird but Audrey had an interesting thought about it that marketing strategy was a direct response to the success of Shrek because as we know Shrek got a lot of mileage out of making fun of Disney making fun of Disney characters and just like their shtick. Yeah. So Disney, of course, is immediately like, how can we as Disney capitalize on that humor, basically? Right. So they made Stitch be like the figurehead for that. Which to me is a reach because... He's not that different from other Disney characters. Okay, so for this cast, we have Davy Chase as Lilo. She's best known for being Lilo, but she also had a very, very, very important role. She was Chihiro in the English dub of Spirited Away, which I actually totally had, like, forgotten. But once I saw the credit, I was like, oh, yeah, I knew that. She does an amazing job in that movie. If you haven't seen Spirited Away, run, don't walk. Um, It's on HBO Max. If we had anything, if we felt qualified to have any opinion about that movie, we definitely would cover it because we did have it in the minivan when we were kids. But like, it's too precious. Like, we couldn't. I mean. We couldn't. I would just be like, no notes. 
Right. She was also Samara, weirdly. She was Samara in the 2002 movie The Ring. So, like, you know, the whole thing where it's, like, the scary girl with the long black hair, like, when you see the video, you die and whatever. She's that person, which I thought was interesting. That was the year after Lilo and Stitch. No, it was the same year as Lilo and Stitch. She also was Samantha Darko in Donnie Darko. She was in Big Love, Betsy's Kindergarten Adventures. And she was Lilo in all of the Lilo and Stitch spinoff stuff, which, again you will see that that is a common thread. Next up, we have Chris Sanders, the writer, director, idea guy as the voice of Stitch. And I feel feel no need to add anything else to that. Listen, you guys aren't ready for my impersonations, (laughs) my impressions. (laughs) I'm ready personally. I'm really excited. Before we started recording, I was like trying to get back into the Lilo headspace. It's a little bit bit high. Audrey's Lilo is really good. Um, Next up, we have Tia Carrere. I'm probably butchering these names and I'm so sorry. Uh, Tia Carrere as Nani. She was in AJ and the Queen as Lady Danger. If anyone really watched AJ and the Queen, I didn't really watch AJ and the Queen. I think I watched one episode. Uh. She was Cassandra in Wayne's World. She was Sydney Fox in Relic Hunter. She was also in True Lies, Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc. And she also did the Lilo and Stitch spinoff material as Nani, obviously. Next up, we have David Ogden Styers. He did some really important voice acting in, like, the Disney canon. He was Governor Ratcliffe in Pocahontas. That's a movie I have only seen, like, twice, probably. He was Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. He also did, like, all the spinoff material for both of those. So, like, direct-to-video sequels, video games, all that. Um, He did all of the Lilo and Stitch spinoff stuff. Oh, also... Regarding the recurrences, I thought it was funny that he did voices in Kingdom Hearts, which is a game I never played, but I really wish that I did. I guess it's not too late. He also was the voice of Kamaji, the Boiler Man, in the English dub of Spirited Away, which I thought was interesting. That's the guy with all of the arms. He had been working since 1971, but he sadly died in 2018, only at age 75. Next, we have Kevin McDonald as Pleakley. He was Mr. Medulla in Sky High, also in Galaxy Quest, Kids in the Hall. We have Ving Roms as Cobra Bubbles. He was Marcellus in Pulp Fiction. He was also uh, in Mission Impossible and in Bringing Out the Dead. And next up, we have Zoe Caldwell as the Grand Councilwoman, a.k.a. to me, female alien Captain Picard from Star Trek. She has that vibe. Um, She also did the Lilo and Stitch spinoff material. She was in The Purple Rose of Cairo, Birth, and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Jason Scott Lee as David. Hottie. Such a hottie. He was Bruce Lee in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Back to the Future Part 2, the live-action Mulan. Mowgli in the Jungle Book. This like weird, weird live action version that I think I saw when I was little. Um, but he plays opposite of Carrie L. West, aka Wesley in The Princess Bride. And I was like, damn, I kind of need to see that. But he only did the Lilo and Stitch direct to video sequel, which I found interesting. So I guess they somehow wrote him out of the TV show or they got someone else to do the voice for the TV show, which to me, it's like, How are you going to replace him? Because his voice is so distinctive. And then, last but not least, we have Kevin Michael Richardson as Captain Gantu. Gantu. He um, 
is like an extremely booked voice actor. He has like a longest IMDb of anyone who I looked up for this. But some of his career highlights are Invincible, The Simpsons, Young Justice, The Proud Family Reboot, American Dad, Family Guy. But yeah, he does a great job and he was very booked. So now that I got through all that, Audrey, what are these numbers looking like? So the budget was $80 million. And opening weekend made thirty five million two hundred sixty thousand two hundred twelve, and the worldwide gross is two hundred seventy three million one hundred forty four thousand one hundred fifty one. So really good. Yes. Really, really, really good. Yes, quite good. Okay, so the critic score was eighty six percent, and the critic consensus was edgier than traditional Disney fare. Lilo and Stitch explores issues of family while providing a fun and charming story. Yeah, quite. I agree with that. Um, okay, and then we've got four opinions here. The first one is it is the sweetest Disney movie of its generation, but the lengthy beginning and somewhat shorter climax drag it down at the worst possible points. The movie does manage to tug at your heartstrings with its themes of loneliness and finding a place to fit in, but it does it without ever rising too high on the sapo meter. <laughs> Three is it unapologetically affirms that love can make good things happen in a broken family. And the fourth one is overall, though the message is solid, it is too convoluted and graphic. And even more unfortunately, the music is uninspired and the animation is generic. Uh, You're done. I extremely disagree with especially the last two points. You're done. Also graphic, question mark. Um... (laughs) Okay, so going into the audience score. So keep in mind, critic score was 86 and audience score was 77, which I found kind of surprising. The first review, 1.5 stars. Weird movie. I couldn't connect with the little alien rascal. Rip. Second one, 4.5 stars. Charismatic and sensitive. A beautiful journey through the sense of family, love, and acceptance with an amazing soundtrack and an immersive trip to Hawaii and their culture. Family are the ones you can count to, count on, doesn't matter their blood, the amount of people or the species. And I do have to say, the chosen family moments in this movie are extremely cute, which we'll definitely get to later. And then three stars, a completely serviceable family film with a nice subtext, but honestly, nothing that special. Okay, and then I I did my new routine of looking up the names of these movies on Twitter and just seeing what people have said recently. And the first one I saw that I thought was worthy was a tweet from at Risefall Nick Bick. And uh, this person said, Lilo and Stitch knew how to twist that knife with a photo set attached attached of the, is this what she needs scene when the house is burning down? And last but not least, this one I thought was really funny. This is a tweet from at they are not a boy too. How is it possible that every gay man on Hinge with the my best celebrity impression little voice note thing is doing a stitch from Lilo and Stitch impersonation? Every single one. Uh, I love that. Because it's really easy. Yes, it is really easy. Chris Sanders like, was not I think, doing much. I think everybody can do one. Probably. You do it. Well, you have to. If I do it, you have fine, to do it. Fine. Okay. Ohana <laughs> means family. <laughs> okay, yours is good, though. How do you do it? It's like something with your tongue, uh, cover like covering up something in the back of your throat, like oh, oh, oh. Oh, I don't know if you're just literally moving your tongue back. 
I can't. I can't. And family means nobody is left behind <laughs> or forgotten. Okay, okay, okay. And there's more acts or there's more uh, impersonations where that came from, so you can all look forward to that. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> so I just kind of collected some other movies from 2002 and the year before. So 2001 kids movies. We had um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Spirited Away, Coming to America. Actually, I think it got released in Japan that year too. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Barbie Nutcracker, Princess Diaries, Shrek, and Monsters Incorporated. Um, Disney clearly was getting smashed at this point because they hadn't acquired Pixar yet. And so like DreamWorks and Pixar were outpacing them by a lot. Like their big event of 2001 was Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which people did not love um so keep that in mind people love it now though i think a lot of people did love it it just wasn't like it was a a princess yeah exactly it was like a sleeper (laughs) hit sort of and then obviously in september 2001 that was 9 11 which like triggered a whole cultural shift in america in general like nationalism and like george bush and like i'm proud to be an american like that vibe. After that happened, there were kind of like a lot of things that uh, like TV shows and movies kind of scrambled to remove or edit. For example, with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the first one, they delayed the release of the movie to remove or reshoot anything involving the World Trade Center because it had been in the original movie. And um, in Lilo and Stitch, instead of like the chase scene near the end when they're like flying through the mountains, it was originally that they were flying through Honolulu in a... um like a 747. And the whole thing is that they like hijack a commercial jet instead of another spacecraft. And to me, that explains kind of a lot about why the ending is the way it is. Like why a lot of it feels so like random. But they had like fully animated and colored and painted like this whole sequence and had to totally redo it. So, yeah, and there was a lot of other examples I found. Like, there were Simpsons episodes that involved the World Trade Center that got removed, um, but now they're, like, back into syndication and everything. But, you know, time time helped in that situation. Also in this year, um, the Wild Thornberrys movie got released, which had the scratch and sniff card that came with the tickets. And I remember so clearly going to see that movie with, like, all of our neighbor friends and doing the scratch and sniff cards, and we just thought that that was so cool. Kelly Clarkson wins the first season of American Idol. Complicated and Let Go, the entire album by Avril Lavigne, drop. Um, Nora Jones' album, Come Away With Me. A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. The movie Crossroads comes out. Rosie O'Donnell comes out as gay. And um, Britney and Justin Timberlake broke up. So the pop culture that happened in that year has really sent shockwaves through our lives for um, uh, forever since then. When did you first watch this? When did you last watch this? What do you remember about the movie? I would assume we probably saw it the year it came out. I think Um, so. Yeah. I don't know that we saw it in theaters, but we might have. Probably not. I, I don't know. But we did have the DVD and the DVD was the thing that we watched a lot. And it was in the car and... Yeah, I think because it was in the minivan, that's the reason that we, like, really know it well. We also had the soundtrack on CD. Oh, yeah. And that had us 
listening to Elvis music. Uh-huh. All had us listening to the 18s, Can't Help Falling in Love with You. Yes. Um, which is iconic. Yes. And then also Stitch being Experiment 626 is, that's my birthday. Right. So I always was like, ooh, like, I wonder why. Me. Yeah. And also I always wanted to skip the the beginning and any part that has to do only with space. I was like, yeah. I'm bored. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, this is not it. I actually remember skipping yeah. that part kind of a lot because we would always just see that shot of him being like, my monstrosity's been unleashed. Yeah. And then it just goes to the fish. Um, yeah, we would skip the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we first got the minivan with the DVD player in it that we did like a test drive around Silver Lake just to like show off the fact that we had this DVD player, maybe to like grandma and grandpa or something. And uh, we were watching Lilo and Stitch. And I very clearly remember it was the first scene where uh, Cobra Bubbles shows up to inspect the house, um, which honestly is like one of the best scenes of the whole movie. Um, yeah. And... I just remember that. Um, I have a lot of memories about this, though. We watched the special features a lot. I played Sandwich Stacker a lot when I was a kid on DisneyChannel.com. So I remember that game. I remember this movie having a lot of, like, adult-level complexity in the relationships between, like, the non-aliens. This was, like, an Elvis, like, an introduction to Elvis for us. But, like, was Elvis Hawaiian? We'll look it up after this. But kind of my most potent memory about this movie is that I remember so clearly, this is a you and me memory. This is like a relationship building thing, which I don't know if you'll remember this, but I remember it really well, which I think it was in like 2010. Yeah, it was in 2010. So I was in, it was the summer after ninth grade. So it would have been the summer after seventh grade for you. And there was some reason why you and, it was either like you and me got in a really big fight or like I got in a really big fight with mom and for some reason, it ended up that we were basically like banished to the basement together and I was in a really bad mood and you were probably annoyed, but just like trying to survive in the way that it used to be like when we were that age. And we watched Lilo and Stitch and I feel like the sister relationship like really kind of like hit me for the first time or like both of us were kind of like, oh, like this is like a movie about these sisters more than anything else. And I felt like we, I felt like it was a, uh, like a turning point in our relationship and (laughs) that it like made a difference in the way that I like saw you in our relationship in general. Um, I don't remember that specifically, but I definitely feel tinges of that when I watch it, like relating to when we would watch it together, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't have any like specific memories of it, but yeah, it's definitely, if it, if our age gap was more prominent, then I probably would relate it a little more. Yeah. Well, the, the I think especially back then it was kind of like the ending of the era where I felt like definitively older than you, you know, like, or like in a way where it was like, I'm the big sister and she's the little sister. Like, I think that was kind of the end of that era. But yeah, I I know about it so clearly because you know that photo album I did where I did a picture for every day over the summer. Yeah. There's a picture from that day where it's like our converses like lined up next to each other. (sighs) And I was like, I remember it was from that day. So yeah, you clearly were feeling tender that day. I was feeling tender that day, clearly, because I remember. (laughs) Okay, well, 
I'm pretty sure that picture had like a wicked quote or something. No, it wasn't a wicked quote. It wasn't a wicked quote. (laughs) It might have been a wicked quote. It might be a wicked quote. (laughs) Well, I still have it on Facebook, so I can find it. Don't worry. Okay, so I found it. And it was a wicked quote. What is it? It was a wicked quote. So much of me is made from what I've learned from you. <laughs> You'll be with me like a handprint on my heart. Um, yeah, um, Elvis isn't from Hawaii, but he had a love and affection for Hawaii. And Ooh, love and affection, love and affection, okay. Apparently, he spent time there, had concerts there. He's from Tupelo. Tupelo? Is that in Tennessee? Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh, man. Go to Disney Plus, watch Lilo and Stitch, maybe maybe give For Good a good listen to, um, and then meet us back here for our discussion. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Alright everyone, we are back and it is time to discuss our findings from 2002's Lilo and Stitch. So where should we start? This movie, I have the least negative notes for maybe ever in the history of this podcast. Okay, okay. So do we start with the bad? Yeah, probably. Obviously, I love this movie. Obviously, I love that it's sweet. But to me, there are a few moments, and I know it's a kid's movie, so it's okay that it's like this. But to me, it beats you over the head with it a few times in a way that's like a little unnecessary. Slash that are just lines that are like cringe to me. The one that made me cringe the most was near, most of my issues are like near the end. But when like Jumba's shooting at Stitch and he's like, you're an abomination, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and Stitch is like, 
all so cute and fluffy. I was like, yeah, I hate that. Like after Jumba, like gets Stitch in captivity and Stitch is like, what if you just help me instead? And he's like, okay. I was like, uh, that seems like a kind of random change of heart. Like for some reason I buy it. I don't really know why I buy it. I also just felt like, um, for a kid's movie, people really beat the shit out of each other. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like it's really funny sometimes. Like one of the best moments is when Lilo attacks Myrtle and just starts literally beating her face. Like, that's really funny. But think about, like, how many actual child reenactments probably happened in that. Um, And let's also not forget about the fact that uh, they had to redraw that scene near the beginning where Lilo climbs out of the washing machine and they turned it into something else because so many kids were hiding in washing machines. Do you know about this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another line that made me a little suspect before I get to the really problematic thing is when she's like, I remember everyone who leaves. I was just like, you didn't need to say that. Like, you didn't need to take it that far, in my opinion. I was opinion. just crying. <laughs> like, I was, I was in it too, but then I was like, this is a little much. And then this is my real problematic take. I feel like Ohana is a little bit messy. Like, not the actual concept of Ohana, obviously, but, like, the way that it's brought up doesn't feel like it's justified. Like, it feels like they were just, like, looking for a catchphrase, sort of. Um, I'm talking about it mostly as a narrative tool. It just felt like she didn't need to be, like, Ohana means family. She could have been, like, mom and dad said that they wanted us to stay together. Or, like, mom and dad loved that we were so close. Or something like that. Like, it didn't have to be, like, here's this random catchphrase that I can, like, enforce our relationship with. Especially because, like, in in the bonus features that I watched and stuff, like, when um, the voice actress of Nani was talking about Ohana, she was like, Ohana is about, like, like, family and chosen family. Like, your people are your Ohana. Like, it doesn't mean... Like, it just felt like they didn't actually apply the meaning of Ohana all that well. Again, I'm a white person. I don't really know shit, but something about it just felt a little bit forced to me this time around. I was surprised that all of the, um, like, that I had that reaction, but, you know, more to talk about. So we could go into problematic for a second. I didn't write anything because I truly was just emotionally distraught during this viewing experience. Uh Uh-huh. The very few things that I had were, I didn't think it was bad, but Josh was kind of like, is this bad? Which was when um, Cobra Bubbles comes to the house, like for the first social worker check. And she's like, did you ever kill anyone? He is like the only black character, but also he is like very clearly like a secret agent type. Like he is (laughs) scary. So, and that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. Of his character, which is like, is that bad? I don't really know, but I had that. No, I don't think it's bad because he has a he's he has a substantial part. He's not tokenized. He's not a throwaway character. Yeah. Also, as so. you know, he's in the credit sequence as part of the Ohana. And then really the only thing is that the whole like running gag with the Taurus, like... On one hand, I really, like, on one hand, it's like, okay, they're using them being fat as a punchline, but also, like, 
that whole sub, they never even mention it out loud. Like it's all just visual storytelling, but it's really clear that it's like, these tourists are everywhere and they look different from us and they take up a lot of space. And like Lilo's whole tourist candid photo collection is also, it's such a good detail of this movie. Yeah. Um, And, And it works into the story in these implicit ways that are super true to how Uh, what I've heard, how Hawaiians, native Hawaiians actually feel about all the white people that come to the island and just like be annoying and use their resources and, and, um, aren't smart about how they live there and how they vacation there. And the way that, um, David is working at that, that luau and, you know, Nani gets fired from it and then she calls it like a fakey luau. It's like, yeah. there, it, there's, it's all worked into the story in a bunch of ways, but that are almost completely not vocalized, which is cool. Yeah, it's very subtle. It's also funny because I just way after way too late just watched White Lotus and I was like this is a part of the White Lotus extended universe <laughs> like it has the yeah. same the same tone in that regard. Well, before we get to the good, I kind of have some the concept of child protective services and like the actual obstacle that Nani is facing in this film is a real thing that people go through and that a lot that uh I was not aware of when I first saw this movie. I don't know what I thought it was, um, if I thought that was real or not real, because it's an animated movie, I didn't really know. But it Mm. is a very, you know, relatively realistic portrayal of how that sort of interaction could go down, but especially how it would make you feel. And I think that is a great part. I think also it does a really good job of like contextualizing it all. Like people would maybe be like, you know, if you don't understand why a kid would get removed from their home or like taken by CPS or whatever, you would be like, oh, the parent is negligent or oh, like they're a bad person. But then when you see it all in context, it's like, oh, she's doing everything she can to make ends meet. Like their kitchen is a mess because she's always working. And also she didn't ask to have a kid. This is her sister. Like all this responsibility has been thrown on her. And it's just like exactly what you said. Like we never would have learned about any of this so early if it wasn't for this movie. One of my things that I appreciate about this movie is that nobody, even the aliens, nobody has bad intentions in this movie. Even, you know. Except for the one guy. Who? Captain Gantu is a fuck But not even. Like, he doesn't really Because ha- <laughs> he's just trying to recapture his experiment that he has been ordered to recapture because. No, no, no. That That's not the same guy. I'm talking about the big oh, guy. Oh, the big guy. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah. The, I'm talking about Jumba. Yeah, that, um, that yeah. guy. But even him, like, he, I don't even think of him as like a main character or even like a close no, to he's a main not, character. But he's like the only antagonist. He's like the cop. He's the alien cop. <laughs> he is the alien cop, but he's vengeful. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll give, we'll give him the villain, the villain yeah. title. But the villain edit. for everybody else. <laughs> They have good intentions, but they have conflicting goals. And that's where, like, the emotional stakes are, which I appreciate. I just want all animation to be this rounded and beautiful looking. Like, yeah, yeah. I love, I love the rounded quality of everything. Like, the camera, 
that I always I always think about the mm-hmm. camera that she has because it's just there's not a corner on that thing. Like, yeah. Well, I remember that in the special features we had, they talked about that and how like that was the example they showed was yeah. like rounding the camera. But they also said something really interesting, which was like the way that they drew everything is they pretended that like everything had like water that was kind of like sinking to the bottom like of whatever like the fingertips are a little bit like heavier and like their bodies are like that like everyone's pretty bottom heavy and I haven't seen anything you know as well done in that style since it felt super like organic to the movie we we have to address the quotes the quotes that we have been saying to each other for years. One is, I'm adjusted, and then smiling really big. Um, And then, uh, there's so many. Also, like, you sure that's a dog? (laughs) Right. You sure that's a dog? Yeah. My friends need to be punished. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah. The opening made me tear up. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautifully done. Yeah. And you can't understate how amazing the music is, too. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah, Moana could I never. Moana could Moana, never. No, fuck that. Yeah. As I mentioned last <laughs> week on the Sydney White episode, I have the Hawaiian lyrics to a Hawaiian roller coaster ride memorized. <laughs> and I don't even know what I'm saying. I also think that this is the movie of non-toxic men. Yes. yes. The aliens, that's, some, that's a little different. Yeah. But as far as the human men go, they are all great. They're, they're very all gentle. just like... Yeah, and they're just, like, looking out for the children, and they're just, like, compassionate and caring. Yeah. And I love that. And we have to talk about David being, like, the hottest man ever. Yeah, hottest animated. Yeah, and he's like, will you date me? He's, like, (laughs) at the, near the end, she's like, I owe you, because he got her a job or whatever. And she's like, I owe you big time. And he goes, you can just date me, and we'll call it even. (laughs) Which that it is cute and it could be creepy if there wasn't the entire movie of him just like being a really good person in their lives. Um, And we know that she likes him because Leo says she likes your butt and fancy hair. I know. I read it in her diary. (laughs) And then he goes, she thinks it's fancy. (laughs) So good. It's so good. Like the dialogue, honestly, up through like the all hope is lost moment. Um, like when Bubbles decides to take her, like all the dialogue and like everything is like perfection. Yeah. Like the way, one thing I really love in this movie is that Bubbles is like, you have three days to get your shit together. And then they like fail that. And then he's like, you have three days. He's like, he's like model citizen, new job. And it's like, thank you for just laying out the goals for us. Like that is so great. And I also thought that Similarly, like in the beginning, um, so quickly they introduce the like motif of like Stitch bites someone and then Lilo bites someone and people in their mm-hmm. lives are like, does this look infected to you? Like yeah. I had never noticed that it was like so intentionally doubled like that. Yeah. And I kind of wish that like the duplicity kind of like was carried through a little bit more intentionally. But again, everything I've ever seen that's like that critical about this movie has been like the third act isn't good or like it's not as good as the other two, which I definitely agree with. Yeah. 
Also that part, this is scrump. I made her. <laughs> but what did you say? A bug laid eggs in her ears. ears. And she only has a few <laughs> days left to, and then they're all gone. Oh, it wrecks me. It wrecks me too. It really wrecks me too. she's just the cutest. Like Lilo is the cutest. Yep. One thing about um, dated or slash problematic though is the fact that Disney never would have casted a white girl as Lilo now. No, no, no. But at the time, they did. Yeah. I do love the voice of Lilo, though. I, I mean, she did a great job. Like, she did a yeah. great job with playing the character, but, like, you know, I totally agree. Yeah. And there are characters who do have accents in the film. Um, like, uh, David, he has an mm-hmm. accent. And there are some that Nani kind of does, too. Yeah. And then Lilo doesn't. So it's... Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, yeah, that is something that Disney wouldn't do now. I just love like how weird of shit they make Lilo do. Like my friends need to be punished. Like they have her doing like yeah. legitimately weird shit, which I thought <laughs> she was is weird. Like she is a weird kid. Like that yeah. is. And she's not just like quirky. She doesn't like right. wear hats. She's like making voodoo dolls and putting them in a pickle jar. Like she's a weird kid. Um, she's drawing pictures of her alone and putting them on the <laughs> fridge. Me alone. <laughs> That scene is so good. It's so good. That scene being so funny and like intense, then being followed by when she goes upstairs and Lilo's like, you like me better as a sister than a rabbit, right? I can't handle that part. That part makes me cry. I wrote down three things that made me cry. The first one was hugging Scrump. The second one was you like me better as a sister than a rabbit. And the third one is when she's explaining what happened to the parents. Even though I didn't like that it ended with, I remember everyone who leaves. It's like, you can stay and we can be a family, or if you want to leave, you can. It could have ended with that without that final hit of, I remember everybody that leaves. I think it would have been... It would have been more, a little more subtle, but you'd still feel the, the effect of, I remember everybody that leaves. It's like yeah. her saying it implicitly and then explicitly saying it, and it gets yeah. a little it get, That's where it, ver, it verges into, like, being too on the nose. Because I think, because kids are smart. They don't need it to be spelled out yeah. that hard. Yeah. Like, if you can unconsciously understand what CPS is as, like, a seven-year-old, you don't need that line. I think it's interesting that like as a kid, it isn't that emotional to watch this movie. But as you get older, yeah. it is. Yeah. Like I definitely never even thought of crying as a kid watching yeah. it. But that's because we don't have, you don't have perspective and you don't have hindsight and you can't, you don't view Lilo as a like baby. Like yeah. I, the way I see her now, she's like this big. Yeah. Like the way when Nani picks her up, she's so tiny. Yeah. Um, but when I saw it the first time, I was like, I'm Lilo in the situation. So right, I saw right. her as a peer or like yeah. an adult. <laughs> Not an adult, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you relate more to Nani, it's like obliteratingly sad. Yeah, when you, it's true. When you can shift perspective watching it, it's totally different. One side thing was, so I didn't realize this until this watching or this watch, but um, when... Like, Mr. Bubbles tells Nani that he's going to take her, basically. And then Nani, like, doesn't really tell her that it's going to happen. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. 
Yeah. Well, the idea was that she was going to, like, tell her the night before when they're on the hammock. Yeah. But she either tells her and we don't see it, or she just kind of doesn't tell her and she just kind of implies it by seeing it. You know, it's like this feeling that something is going to change, but she doesn't really say it. And I think that it's perfectly fine if what they're saying is that she doesn't tell her explicitly because I think that does line up with her character. She believes Mm -hmm. that that will not happen. Like she will find a way to make sure that doesn't happen. And it kind of, you know, she's trying her hardest, but it's, she is irresponsible in some ways just because she's young. Like it it is what it is. Yeah. Pleakly like explains evolution really, really quickly in the beginning of this movie. And I thought that was so interesting because, you know, Disney is a company that is afraid to take stances a lot of the time on um, anything social or religious. They want to be super middle of the line and um, middle of the road. And yeah, and they fully put evolution (laughs) in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I loved it when she was like, are they intelligent? And he's like, no. No. (laughs) But they are part of the mosquito food chain, which then also moves to the end when Bubbles is like, convinced alien species that mosquitoes were endangered species. Yeah. So good. I loved that whole like, about him at the end. I was like, I'm ready for that personally. Um, Yeah. And again, that speaks to like, how intentional all the details are in this movie like when Stitch is going through all the books on her shelf (laughs) and like all the titles are so funny all of the like destroying the town recurring imagery that happens which definitely was supposed to pay off with the 747 scene and the real footage incorporation real photos and and real footage incorporation is so cool yeah in this movie yeah I agree. I love that. Everyone's flawed, but no one is the villain, which is like what you were saying. I love how um, Lilo's idea of being a model citizen is being an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> it's very much what a little kid would think is like the best thing. Like if yeah. Elvis is really beloved in Hawaii, she'd be like, well, I guess you have to be like Elvis. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like her, the process of becoming a model citizen is just being like Elvis. Yes, exactly. It's so funny. Exactly. And then also, I just thought it was really fucked up when they, like, thought Stitch was lost and they were, like, sad about it. But, like, losing Stitch would be, like, the best thing for them, for sure, in that moment. Another plus for David's character, because he literally doesn't like Stitch, but goes down and saves him because he knows that Lilo loves him. Yeah. Holy shit. Because he literally is like, you know, I really thought they had a chance until you came along. I was like, David, that was, <laughs> that was cold. But also he's right. It's so good. Like, do I love this? Okay. I did really, I never noticed how much of a joke, like how good of a joke this was. But like in the very beginning when Stitch is like going towards Earth and they're like, his molecular density won't allow him to survive in the water. And it's like going, zooming, zooming, zooming. And she's like, no. And then he lands on an island. Like, I just thought that was really funny. I'd never noticed that until this time. It's like, what are the odds he would land on this island? Um, Right. But overall, this movie has amazing characters. I don't know how they pulled it off. I cry every time I watch it. It's so complicated in its sister dynamic. Grief, 
is addressed. Yeah. And, you know, being um, potentially on the spectrum. I don't know. Lilo mm-hmm. seems like she exhibits some of those sorts, some of those qualities. Like yeah. she genuinely does not fit the mold in a way that is not shown usually. Usually when somebody's like, oh, they're weird. It's again, like we've been talking about because their dad is lying about being a construction worker. Like, right, right. <laughs> stupid stuff. Yeah, because like, they're like a brunette so. and everyone else is blonde. Like, yeah. The movie's about accepting. It's like, even if someone's weird, they're still your family. Like you can be weird and be loved. That life is hard. Honestly, that's a big part of it too. Like the parents are never coming back. You never think that for a moment, but they still find ways to like find joy and love and like have a family. And that's why the end credits hits even harder. You see their new chosen family, if you will, both Mm -hmm. aliens and humans. (laughs) Yes. And, um, And then even better, when the animation stops, it immediately bursts right into 18s can't help falling in love with you. Yep. Yep. And the best part of that to me is... The, um, like a river flows to the sea, so it goes, some things, yeah. Yep. So good. It's great. Okay, well, this movie held up. It's a good movie, and it does matter in many ways. And I'm kind of surprised we got through this episode without crying, because I did get close a couple times. Brave of you. (laughs) It doesn't take much for me to cry. So, also, I have on really just intense eyeliner. Yeah, I have to go teach kids after this. And I also have like two seconds left before I have to go do that. So, you know, we don't have time to fall apart today. We can save that for a rainy day. But thank you for listening as always. We have some really good guests coming up. Unbelievable guests coming up. You will not (laughs) believe this. Some unprecedented uh, guest action is coming. And all I can say is I'm proud of my DM crafting. And you'll see why once we have this person on the show. Um, Yeah. We have like three guests lined up and they're all great. Yes. So let us know what movies you'd like us to cover. Your thoughts on Sneaker Night versus He Said, (laughs) She Said. Whether you think David is hot or not, there's only one correct answer. So good luck. (laughs) And we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. We'll chat again soon. Bye. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, 
personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.